Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. It's about to go down. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should because I'm this, 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 this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. If this is your first time listening, thanks for finding us. I'm glad you're here. You picked a good day to show up. We got a great guest on board. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're part of the Mafia already, the Nerd Mafia, then thanks for being here again. I appreciate you, and you're going to enjoy the show. So I'm joined this week by another member of the Fantasy Footballers. I've had a couple of these guys on now. I'm really stoked about this one, though, because he's way too smart to be chatting with me. And uh, we're going to find out some interesting things today. So I got Matthew Betts of the Fantasy Footballers. Matthew, uh, welcome in, man. Thanks for coming on and spending some time with me. Uh, Why don't you tell uh, the folks a little bit about yourself? Well, first off, Colt, uh, you're way too kind. Uh, I'm not not that smart of a guy, but uh, I guess I trick everyone into thinking I am and and landed me this job. But uh, yeah, man, I'm really excited to join you. I appreciate you having me on. As you said, all my work can be found with the fantasy footballers. So I do a lot of injury content with them. First, getting a start in this fantasy space as an injury analyst, as a physical therapist. So that's kind of my background. That's what I went to school for. Uh, I still treat on the side to see patients in the clinic and all that sort of stuff. So I got my foot in the door as an injury analyst. And from there, it kind of just snowballed into this uh, really interesting role that if you would have told me, you know, 10 years ago, you're going to be doing this as a career, I'd say you're crazy. But here I am talking DFS, writing about DFS, um, redraft content, all that stuff over with the ballers. And it's just been so much fun to join those guys. Obviously, a really well-known brand, but the guys are even better behind the scenes. So to be a part of that team is, is something I feel really lucky about. Yeah, I mean, it's an awesome crew. I mean, I've had Jeff Greenwood on, I've had Marvin Eloquin. Um, there's just sharp dudes, a lot of fun to chat with, super down to earth. It feels like the whole crew kind of is that way. Oh, yeah, it's a good group. Like I said, it's it's one that you won't find anyone that's, uh, you know, there's people always say like there's one bad guy at work that you're like, oh, like he's kind of annoying or like, yeah, that's not great. Uh, that will not be found with our squad. We We have a really good group. Very cool. I love it. And so uh, before we get into all the football stuff, we're going to obviously hit on some injury things. We're going to touch on the fantasy, the DFS, all that kind of stuff. I got to mention, this is the first episode of the show, actually, that's going to be part of the Pixie and Podcast Network that we just joined. So I'm pretty stoked about that. 
But like we always do on The Nerd, we always do start out chatting up a charity because, uh, you know, I'm all about that. So this week, Matthew chose the Hayden Hurst Foundation, uh, which is a very cool foundation. Obviously, I think it's pretty well known maybe at this point, but it's hitting on a very heavy topic, uh, you know, that should be talked about quite a bit right now, I think, uh, as far as players, personal life, all that kind of stuff, even at home for yourself. So why don't you tell me a little bit about why you chose the foundation, you know, and a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an underserved group of you know folks that are really battling similar things, right? So the Hayden Hurst Foundation is all geared towards mental wellness, and Hayden's history of battling depression actually tried to take his own life previously. And he is someone that has been really courageous in being vocal and using his platform as a pro athlete and as an NFL player to showcase that, hey, you're not alone. Everyone battles this kind of stuff. And it doesn't have to be you know, that end of the spectrum as far as that severe. But we all need to value our mental health uh, in a huge way, especially given what 2020 was and even lingering into 2021. I mean, God, what a year. <laughs> so it was just crazy. But it's one that I feel pretty passionate about. I was turned on to the charity by two of my good friends, Michael Hoff and Anthony Servino. They do the FF Faceoff. They do a yearly potathon. I guess it's, this was their second year doing it to raise awareness for Hayden Hurst Foundation and to raise money to go towards it, which has been awesome. I never heard of it until then. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of come on and give a little plug about it and let everyone know like this is something that we all battle and that's really important for everyone. And his foundation has been uh, one that I follow closely. Seem to be doing incredible work. So I wanted to give them a little hat tip. Yeah, I mean, it's very cool. And it's, I mean, you see a lot of NFL players, they're always kind of involved in charities and things of that nature, right? But it was always kind of a stigma on the mental health part of it. So having some players step forward and really start to take that and go like, you know, we need to talk about that, especially with these guys who are dealing with, you know, there's only so many of these positions, they strive their entire lives to get there. And then maybe they don't. Right. Or they do and they get hurt and they never play again or their families are part of it. Right. So this is huge and it hits at home, too. I mean, like you mentioned, COVID, I mean, people being locked inside their homes with their family members day in and day out. I'm not sure as much as we love each other. I don't know that everybody signed up for all of that last year either. Right. So very cool organization. <laughs> uh, it'll be in the show notes like we always do. So you guys can easily get over there. Um, it's the Hayden Hurst Foundation dot com. So you can uh, head right over there. But all that stuff will be in the links and all that kind of stuff. So. Very cool organization. Thanks for bringing that up, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you giving me the spot to do it. Yeah. So let's chat a little football because this one's kind of your feel on both ends as the the physical guy and you're the injury guy and all that. There's a lot of love for Dak Prescott. And I, I think he was having a phenomenal season before he got hurt last year and he's got phenomenal weapons. So are you really concerned with this shoulder thing? I mean, what is this we're hearing about? I mean, I'm watching Hard Knocks. They're, they're holding them back and it's a little twinge. It's what, you know, like what's going on with Dak? Yeah, so Dak is currently battling with his right shoulder a lat strain, which is a muscle that actually attaches all the way up from your lower back, goes onto the shoulder blade, and then basically attaches on your upper arm bone, like right underneath your armpit. And when you let the football go as you come forward, that lat muscle is working to provide power to the arms so that you can deliver the ball the way you're supposed to, among other muscles. It's not that common, actually, in quarterbacks. And ironically, if you heard on Hard Knocks, the training staff with Dallas was consulting with the Texas Rangers because it is more common in baseball pitchers. So that's kind of what the connection is there. But in terms of what we're looking at with Dak, it's a muscle strain. And so and like any other muscle strain, you know, the, we always hear about these hamstring injuries or calf injuries or groin injuries with wide receivers, running backs, etc. You have to be conservative. You can't just throw caution to the wind and battle through pain. There are some injuries where you can say, 
this won't get worse, just push through. And there's some that say like, you need to appropriately rehab and rest this. And this is one that certainly fits that category. So everything that the Cowboys are doing right now, I feel confident in that they're doing the right thing. This does require the appropriate amount of you know rest recovery and then slowly work back up into it. And you kind of heard, I think again, on Hard Knocks and talk about, you know, well, I'm on a pitch count right now. I can't throw certain distances. And that's all what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to kind of start slow, gradually work your way back up and expose that muscle to more force over the, you know, every day, basically, until the several weeks have gone by that it's healed. And I always give my patients kind of this analogy of like, well, if you're excited about getting back into running for the first time in a while, it would be absolutely foolish to be like, today, day one, I'm going out there for 15 miles, right? Like you have to be able to kind of work up to it. So that's what's going on with Dak. As long as this goes right the first time around, which by all accounts it is, then he should be fine for week one. The tricky part is that if he does start to like ramp up his intensity and his volume and the distance that he's throwing, it could provide a little bit of soreness. But again, we don't know. We'll just have to kind of wait and see. And then if that's the case, then they'll probably pull back the reins a little bit. And that could potentially put him into week one question. But as of now, I still feel pretty confident about his ability to be ready for week one. Yeah, I mean, listening to them talk about it on Hard Knocks and stuff, it seems like it's just like, yeah, let's just rest him. I mean, and he's he's Dak Prescott. I mean, so you'd imagine that he's going to be ready to go either way, right? But obviously, you can hear him talking about it on there. He's like, I want those reps, you know, like I want to be out there. I want to do it. So, I mean, and he's a hot ticket item. I mean, he gets drafted real early. DFS, I'm sure he's going to be a big money player, you know, to have him in your lineups. And his three wide receivers plus his running back are all expected to be heavy hitters as well. So he's a big piece to the puzzle. So let's chat a little bit about it because you're DFS guy. That's kind of your zone. I'm pretty amateur to the DFS stuff. I mean, I've dabbled. I wouldn't say that I'm uh, any good at it by any means, right? But so like when you're building a lineup, do you now immediately just be like, Dak Prescott's out of the way for me? Uh, No, not necessarily. Um, I don't start building my lineups for week one until like, you know, three, four days before. So we have plenty of time to figure out what we're going to do. I've seen people on, you know, Twitter and stuff like starting to build lineups. I'm like, oh man, you guys are crazy. Um, but no, I, I think I'm still excited to play him at some point this year. There's so, so much that goes into building a DFS lineup that we would probably need like two hours to talk through all of it. And Kyle, my co-host on the Fantasy Footballers DFS show, we have spent the last probably four to six weeks, like one show per week, just talking about a different strategy point to try to get people ready for the season. So Dak is not off the board yet. We will see. If he's ready, I'll be excited to play him. Uh, in week one, I think they have the um, the showdown slate, the first game against the Bucks on Thursday night, which should be a ton of fun to watch, assuming he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, he, and you know he wants to be there for that. I mean, you want to start the season out with the chance to take the champs out right off the bat, right? And and kind oh, of yeah. set, set where you are, especially when you're the Cowboys, who I think a lot of people feel like they should probably win that division. But with his question mark, the backups behind him, it, it gets murky immediately if, if Zach isn't able to play. So do you ever actually play a potentially injured player in your DFS lineups and you know that they're injured? Uh, sometimes. It kind of depends. Like, there was a couple of times last year where Julio, as we remember, dealt with the hamstring injury off and on all season. And that was going to be one of those things that he needed the offseason to get right. Like, it never was going to be 100% as he kept trying to come back and then aggravate it and come back and aggravate it. But I remember there was a week where he was coming back into the lineup and one of the strategies that you want to take when you're playing in tournaments is to look at how heavily rostered a certain player is projected to be. Because if everyone is playing the same lineups, like the same popular guys that week, and they all do great, well, that's awesome. Your lineup's going to do well, but so is everyone else's. And so there's no separation to like get up into the payout where you want to be to win money. So you need to take some risk, and, and you really do want to embrace risk in those tournaments. 
So there was a week I was like, you know what? I know Julio is not right, but we've seen him perform when he's been less than 100%. Everyone is on Calvin Ridley this week. What if it's the Julio week? Um, and I played him and he went for like, you know, three for 40. Like didn't do anything for us. But there are weeks where I will do that every now and then. But I would say in general, my approach is a little bit more conservative because there's nothing worse than playing someone that could potentially get banged up and then come out of the game and you're stuck with a zero in your lineup and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I was just curious on that a little bit just because you have a little more knowledge of injuries. So I wondered a little bit if you dabble a little deeper into it being like, yeah, there's nothing really wrong with him, right? Like he's going to be fine. You know, I I know all about this. So very cool. So is there anything that you will like absolutely avoid when you're going into a lineup? For like me and fantasy in general, I try to avoid the bills at all costs, even though I know they can do really well because I don't want to be disappointed both in fantasy and in the game if things don't happen to go well. So is there like anything when you're building a DFS lineup that you're kind of just like, yeah, you should probably just not do that? (laughs) Well, it's a bummer you didn't do that last year, man. You might have been a rich man with the Josh Allen and Steph Diggs stack, uh, which was awesome. And and Cole Beasley, you know, all those guys. John Brown had a bunch of nice weeks. So the Bills were fun last year. Hopefully they bring it back. But um, I would say in general, one thing that I try not to do, and this is more of a strategy piece, Fantasy Twitter, I don't know if your listeners are on Twitter at all, but if they are, like fantasy Twitter sometimes can be smoke and can be helpful, but it can also just be like a complete, you know, shot in the dark that doesn't help you at all and actually hurts you. And last year, I got in the trap of like logging on, you know, an hour and a half, two hours before kickoff and kind of seeing like, oh, here's this Joe Schmo giving a little bit of advice. Like, that sounds great. Let's do it. And it came back to bite me in the butt. Meanwhile, I had an entire process the entire week of like, here's where I'm leaning. Here are the games I like. Here are the players I like. These are the salaries that make sense. And then sometimes you kind of like throw that entire week of preparation out the window just from like a little blurb you see or something like that. So I want to be better this year at like not doing that and, um, and really trusting the process. Yeah, that's interesting the, kind of bringing that up. Do you, when you're starting that process, do you start with the games first or do you have players in mind first? Or you just look at a game and say, you know, like the for Tampa Bay Cowboys right off the bat, we'd anticipate that to be a high scoring affair kind of, you know, maybe. Do you start there or do you go players first? No, I definitely do the games like first. Like what sticks out to me? And, you know, people will often open their app on like Tuesday and the DraftKings pricing will be there, FanDuel. And people are setting lineups like super early in the week. That is not me. Uh, I need more information. So I'm more looking at like where are the games that we want to get as much exposure realistically as we want to to these games that have, you know, 50 to 54 point totals, even like the high 40s is sometimes good in game environments where you can see a back and forth type shootout that breeds a lot of fantasy success, which we're looking for that upside in DFS. So for me, that's where I go. I read up, um, it's called the Vegas Report article in the, the Ballers DFS Pass. That's my article. So I start every Tuesday morning after, of course, checking the scores from my net football to see how we did, uh, logging in to write that article to look at here are the games that stick out the most. And then I go from there. And of course, there's nuances along the way of like, well, this person might be too popular from that game or this guy looks like he's going to be less popular than he should. So let's play him. But for me, it's all about the game first and then go from there. Yeah, I like that. And I'm glad you brought up the Vegas report thing because I that was one of the changes I was going to make this season was I feel like looking at Vegas is very undervalued and how much they, they all they do is pay attention to games, right? They've been doing this for years. Their numbers are always very, very close, right? Like they're like the people you should go and look at 
to find out what I think is quality information, right? For the most part. I mean, at least looking at those numbers and you can go in there and look at the player props and kind of get ideas of what they think is going to take place in a game, right? And I, I tend to trend towards that. Plus, I have to trend that way a little bit too as we pay the bills real quick. Um, that Bet Us is actually uh, sponsoring the Buffalo Nerd this season. So if you head over to Bet Us, you just punch in Buffalo Nerd, you get an extra little bump in your bonus. So very cool. So you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. You mentioned tournaments. Um, so do you prefer tournaments or cash? And if you're like an amateur like myself, we're kind of just getting in it, would you lean one way or the other? So I am more of a actually a cash game player. And some people that are like really hardcore DFS will kind of scoff at that. But uh, to me, I I feel like I have a good strength in terms of contest selection. So one thing that if you're new to getting into DFS, this is where I started and I still play there. Um, DraftKings and FanDuel to a degree, but DraftKings especially will offer like these huge, you know, 10,000, 5,000 person 50-50s or double-ups, what they're called. And it sounds exactly like you know what it is. You put in 10 bucks this week, I'm just trying to win 10. I'm trying to get 20 back. So it's not necessarily those like what you see on TV type of wins, but those are so few and far between that it's almost like fool's gold. People chase that. And I feel like I have a really strong process in being able to identify a good solid projected lineup in the right contests. And so I play a lot of cash and that's just kind of worked for me to help really build the bankroll over the course of time. I'm not looking to get rich in one day. I'm looking to kind of win long term because football, as we know, is such a high variance sport that you kind of have to embrace that a little bit. And if you have a really solid process, yeah, you might lose a couple of weeks here or there, but I'm confident over the course of a 17 game season or 18 weeks plus playoffs that I'll win more often than not and, and things will be all right. So that's how I play. But there are people who who argue like tournaments, you know, from a an hourly effort that you put into this thing, like as much time and effort as you put in, you should maybe play tournaments because the top payouts are higher. It's more worth your time, so to speak. And that's fine too. I dabble in it a little bit, but I'm more like 75% cash, like 25% tournaments. That's just my personal take. How many lineups on average do you do a week? So I play one cash lineup. I enter that in every one of the cash, you know, either contests that I do, or you can also do head-to-heads. And I feel like that helps to reduce that variance that I was just talking about. So I play one of those, and then I'll probably play anywhere from like three to 10 tournament lineups, depending on the contest and structure. I'm not someone that goes 150 with an optimizer. Like you'll see the screenshots on social media and stuff of like people with all of their lineups. Um, I don't feel like that's a strength of mine. I, I know people that do it and they are very, very good at it. But I know that for me, that's a weakness. So I don't, I don't play in those tournaments a lot. Okay, gotcha. So you're kind of more just one lineup, stick it in a bunch of locations and try to win as many times with that one lineup that you are that confident in. For the most part, yeah. Cool. I like that. So let's hit on, you know, the greatest team in football a little bit here before uh, we get too deep into this. You know, the Bills, obviously. Where Do you have do you have fandom? We didn't really uh, talk about that. Does your fandom lie somewhere? Yes. I am from Pennsylvania originally. I am a Philly sports fan, which people are going to say, oh man, this guy must suck. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm one of the nice ones, I promise. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm an Eagles fan, Flyers fan, Phillies, all that stuff. Right on. I just had uh, Rob Maddie on last week, and he used to be the NFL AP writer for the Eagles. Um, there you go. He's an a- AP guy still, but yeah, he covered the Eagles. So, so let's chat about the Bills a little bit because, like you mentioned, if I would have actually utilized them last year, I probably would have won a bunch of times, you know. But are there any players that you really are going to go into this season again, kind of looking at saying these are guys that I'm going to potentially target or? Are the Bills kind of always going to be a team for you this year where you're going to look at their matchup and say, there's probably somebody there I may utilize? No, I'm bullish again this year on the Bills after what we saw last year, right? I mean, you talk about extreme continuity. Obviously, you guys have the head coach coming back, the offensive coordinator who 
We love in fantasy Brian Dayball for what he did for Josh Allen with the spread running the three wide receiver set at the highest rate in the NFL and then four wide receiver set at the highest rate in the NFL. That just breeds fantasy success for Josh Allen and all of us pass catchers. And in today's fantasy landscape, where every league, I shouldn't say every league, 85% of leagues at this point are some form of PPR, point per reception, right? We care a lot about that. And, you know, Steph Diggs is a stud. Cole Beasley is extremely underrated. I like Emmanuel Sanders a lot this year for a sneaky, like, you know, wide receiver three slash flex type play. I still think he has some juice left in the tank. So I'm really excited about their, their pass catchers. I don't know how to feel about Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, to be honest with you. They kind of seem like in fantasy, uh, they may not be that helpful. I think they're going to be more helpful for the Bills than they are for our fantasy lineups. But for Josh Allen and the pass catchers, yes, please. Yeah, and I think you're not alone in that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary assessment. I think everybody in the entire world feels that way at this point because we don't know, right? And then Zach Moss is already kind of banged up a little bit, but that could just be premature because I still have been a Zach Moss guy since we brought him in. I think he is the better option, but Singletary looked okay in that first go around. And I'm glad you brought up Sanders because I've been clamoring all offseason and everything that I I think he's going to be the number two in yards on this team. And I think he's potentially going to end up that 16 season in Denver when he first got across from Demarius, the second season he was in Denver. He's got juice. He put up 600 and some yards last year and he only played 60% of the time in New Orleans, right? So I've been clamoring for him to do well this season as well. So we obviously know it all hinges on one man and that's Josh Allen. And he took this massive jump just got paid. He's saying all the right things. Uh, Camp, he looks phenomenal. He's making all the throws. Do you see any way that this goes south for Josh Allen? I mean, you said you're bullish, so I'm guessing you kind of are on board with him pulling it off again. Yeah, outside of injury, it's really hard to see it going south because of the fact that even before Josh Allen was an elite NFL quarterback, you know, there was people that were saying, like, what a silly pick by the Bills when they took Josh Allen. And there was... You know, myself included, I was I was very skeptical, right? Came from Wyoming, like, has this guy ever played real competition? He's just this big gunslinger. We've seen them fail over and over again. And then he still was kind of taking over the, the reins in fantasy. He was the quarterback six a couple of years ago before he was, quote-unquote, a good quarterback. And then he took a huge step forward to be an elite quarterback. So to me, even if things regress a little bit, which, you know, the touchdown rate was elite last year. He was at 6.5. We know the NFL average is around 4.5 to 5. So even if he takes a step back in terms of how much he throws into the end zone. He's got eight, nine, and eight rushing touchdowns over his three seasons. So you know he's going to get touches near the goal line. And the rushing for a quarterback in fantasy is massive. So yeah, to me, I don't really see how it goes south outside of injury to his main pass catchers or, of course, himself. Speaking on that a little bit, is uh, have you been monitoring the digs thing at all with the knee? For me personally, I think it's just he probably twinged it a little bit and they're just like, we don't need to push this guy. There's absolutely no reason to push Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I'm with you. That's kind of what I've been uh, understanding from everything that I've read. And of course, we're a couple weeks out from week one. He's arguably one of the most important players on the team. Why push him? So yeah, I'm with you. I think he'll be fine. And I mean, if you watch him work all offseason, it's not like he was just hanging out resting, right? So I mean, you you know he's been putting in the work to get ready. So speaking on all that, you mentioned it. We got Brian Dable back. We got the head coach back. Defensive coaches back. Defense is pretty much intact. We brought back 19 to 22. Do the Buffalo Bills on an actual football level. Are they AFC East champs again this season in your eyes? I think they are. Um, you know, they're they're minus 150 right now in the, the betting market. Dolphins and Pats are plus 350 and the Jets are way down there at plus 2,500. Um, so it seems like maybe a three-horse race, but to be honest, there are so many question marks. 
with the Patriots and the Dolphins, specifically with Tua. The Dolphins' offensive line is one of the worst in football. And we don't know what Cam Newton is anymore. And if Mac Jones does take over, where is he in terms of a start? He's looked good in the preseason, but who knows? So yeah, I mean, to me, this is the Bills' division to lose. I have a, a wager on them to win the division at minus 150. So I hope this is correct. Again, I, I think we can be confident in, like you said, that continuity with so many starters coming back and the coaching staff that it should be wheels up again here for Buffalo in 2021. So by you just stating that you uh, took them at 150 already, that 100% tells me that you're a value hunter and you're just looking to win money daily. That's why you stick in the cash realm and do those types of things instead of just shooting the big shot, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. Just like the Bills, respect the process, right? You know, that's <laughs> that's what it's all about. So we got the Bills winning the AFC East then. And I'm guessing you've got to have some wagers in on the overall champion of the AFC then. Who do you have? I haven't placed a bunch of these. I have one for the, the Bills and I've also got one for the Browns. Football is a game where it's kind of a kind of a sucker bet to like bet the favorite on these long shots because there's so much that can go wrong from the preseason to February in terms of of NFL. You know, if it was just the favorites every year, it would just be easy, right? But no one saw the Bucks winning a Super Bowl in Tom Brady's first year last year um, and, and those sort of things. So the Chiefs are the, the favorites. I did not bet them. I think the Browns have a real shot to push them this year. And of course, the Bills do as well. So I've got my money on the Browns and the Bills. Well, this is incredible because uh, two weeks ago I uh, did my record breakdown and I said that this year there was going to be the battle of Lake Erie and be the Browns and the Bills in the AFC Championship this go. year. And uh, and it's like three years ago, everybody and their brother would have been like, yeah, that's not happening. But the Browns are legit, I think. And they were very close to taking Kansas City down last year. And I always say it's a lot harder to be the champ. You know, you're the one with all the pressure on you. You got to stay the champ. Everybody else just it's their chance to try to knock you down. So very cool. I like it a lot. So we're getting close to uh, coming up on our half hour here. You're a busy man writing all sorts of different things and everything. So if there was one Bills wide receiver that you were going to do like in redraft this season, because it's hard to get digs unless you're willing to pay the price. And like we just mentioned that maybe the knee injury is not really a big deal and he's still going to be a stud. But is there somebody behind him that you would say is the guy that you should be targeting? Yeah, I think, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat here. I think Sanders and Cole Beasley, especially in full PPR formats, are just absolute steals where they're going in ADP. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners play like best ball at all or aware of underdog. It's a pretty hot topic right now in the fantasy space. But um, everyone assumed because of the youth that Gabe Davis was going to be taking over a starting role. And, you know, he's going to play in four wide receiver sets, but he is being drafted ahead of Sanders and Beasley. I feel like they're going to see a lot more in terms of volume and targets. You know, Gabe Davis is going to have some volume down the field, of course, in terms of air yards and and potentially touchdown upside. But I think everyone is sleeping on those two guys. And maybe it's, I don't, I don't know how your listeners feel, maybe it's the more outspoken Cole Beasley has been recently about the whole vaccine thing that maybe in fantasy we're like, okay, you know, I'm done with this guy kind of thing. But I'm scooping him up. He's a good player. He's going to see targets from Josh Allen. And then we talked about Emmanuel Sanders as well. He goes extremely late in drafts. And like I said, you're not relying on him to be your superstar in fantasy. You just need him to be like a top 36, top 40 wide receiver, which I think he can be this year. Yeah, I just, as a matter of fact, in an FPPC league, I just got Cole in like the 15th round or something like that. And I was like, what is going on? This dude had almost over a thousand yards receiving last year and he's still the guy. And all the talk about the vaccine and everything, I get it. And everybody still probably thinks that there's potentially he's not going to be on the team. But while you're doing that, somebody's getting extreme value like really late. And I'm glad that it's me. And I had best ball. Uh, I did a bunch of them and Sanders was one of my late 
always in the end, just take it, you know, because I do agree that he's going to be there. So as we're getting ready to close out here, anything you want to mention that you got coming up, anything you're going to be putting out? Uh, I forgot to mention your show all together in the beginning. So I apologize for that. So all that stuff will be in the show notes and I'm going to make sure we have the link in there for everybody to go check out all the strategy articles. Um, like you said, it takes a lot more time than just 10 minutes to chat up, you know, like how you approach a DFS thing. So they can head over and check out that stuff, but anything else coming up, anything you want to highlight? Oh man, we are always working behind the scenes on the ultimate draft kit. Um, you know, my main job there is kind of highlighting and really keeping the injury report section in check. So I'm in there updating that honestly every day. So that's where a lot of my efforts going right now, and and also just getting ready for the DFS season. Kyle, my co-host, and I will be doing two shows per week in season, and then articles what feels like every single day coming out in the DFS pass as week one gets here. So that's where a lot of my content can be found. And then I also do an injury-specific podcast with those guys. It's called the Injury Blitz Podcast. It's exclusive for the jointhefoot.com supporters. So if you're interested in a little bit more to get kind of a leg up on the competition, you can find that there. It's like 15 minutes. It's short. Gives you everything you need to know in terms of here's what to expect on Sunday and here's how I'm feeling about these players with an injury. So that's pretty much what I got going on. I'm excited, man. Week one is right around the corner. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's so exciting. I mean, and then all the hype and all the fun, you know, when you get the New England Patriots go out and skunk the Eagles last night in a preseason football game, right? So it's like, yeah, so, so bad. bad, you know, like just so bad. Sorry, I had to bring that up, but it was just like, it's just fun right now. Everything's just fun to watch and pe- the way that people respond to everything that's happening. It's just so much fun. And for those, I can plug the draft kit as well. I do have the draft kit myself. I've been following along. It's a ton of great information. Uh, the tier system is phenomenal and shows you a lot of different things. And the baller's got a lot of good stuff going on over there. So if you guys haven't checked that out, you should. And uh, join the Foot Clan as well, you know, and get the really in-depth stuff. So thanks a lot for coming on, Matt. I know uh, you're a super busy guy. You know, obviously you're writing stuff every day. DFS in and, you know, spending your time with more important people than me. So thank you very much for coming on, chatting up the Hayden Hurst Foundation. Uh, You know, obviously that's appreciated. And uh, I hope to uh, maybe uh, catch up with you again at some point during the season. I'm definitely going to hit you up on the side for some advice. So that's going to have to happen now that I know that we both have the Browns and the Bills as potentially an AFC championship. We got to connect some more. But for everybody listening in, uh, thanks for being here. Love you guys. Couldn't have a show without you. You know, appreciate you guys so much. Enjoy the season. Things are getting tight out there. Make sure you're masking up where you should be and doing all those good things so we can actually show up and watch these games. Because I don't know if, about you, Matt, but just hearing the fans and just the few of them in the few preseason games has made it feel so much better just for everybody, I think. but 100%. Absolutely. So thanks, Bills Mafia. We'll see you guys next week. And of course, go Bills. You just listen to review and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you next time leg out